Welcome to this Purdue Engineering Podcast featuring research that addresses critical issues related to societal resilience in the face of crisis and efforts to engineer long-term solutions for a more robust future. Hi, I'm Teresa Walker, the Director of Communications for the School of Engineering Education at Purdue University. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Dr. Donna Riley, the Kamiar Hagigi Head of the School of Engineering Education. We'll discuss the origin of the first school of engineering education in the world, the transformation of our first year engineering program, and how we adapted to the COVID-19 pandemic. So welcome, Dr. Riley. Hello, it's good to be here with you today. I just can't wait to have this discussion with you. I, I you know, you, you and I have talked about um, the history of, of the School of Engineering Education many times, and I, I had the, the distinct privilege to work with Dr. Radcliffe before you came um, and worked on a book with him, The Pictorial History of the School of Engineering Education. He was, he was passionate about um, carrying forward the vision of our founding head, Kamiar Hagigi, and, and here you are. I know you had your own relationships with Dr. Hagigi and, and Dr. Radcliffe, and just very excited that we can talk about this today. So I kind of just want you to start in and tell us your own experience with maybe Dr. Hagigi, but then also how this whole school evolved. Yeah, so I started out my career at Smith College in Massachusetts, where we were founding the first engineering program at a women's college in the United States. And so it was, we started that in 2000. And it was through that process that I came to know about research and engineering education and begin to meet people at Purdue like Dr. Higigi. And he actually recruited me to come do a sabbatical at Purdue in 2009. And so it was during that time that I really got to know him a little bit. And for me, what, what Kamyar did was establish a bold vision for what this new field of engineering education could be and think about how the research enterprise, discovering new knowledge in engineering education could provide innovation and new, more effective ways of doing engineering education and preparing engineers for the workforce. And he had some amazingly bold ideas that he implemented in the school. So watching from Massachusetts, I saw the new hires that he brought in. And one of the things that was happening was, first of all, he was recruiting anybody who was anybody to the School of Engineering Education. All the rock stars in the field were coming to Purdue. And it became very clear that all roads in engineering education were going to lead to Purdue. And when he did that, he cast a very broad net and he wanted people with specializations across disciplines. So he hired people, for example, with education backgrounds and people with gender studies backgrounds and people with science, technology and society backgrounds in addition to people with engineering backgrounds. And so he was creating a cross-disciplinary group of people who were going to really do something different, to found a new field. And as someone who was in a group of people who, again, were trying to do something different in our small liberal arts college environment, 
it was really cool to see that happening at a large research university, at a large public university, and at a scale that we really couldn't even dream to uh, to do at Smith College, right? We could we could graduate twenty women engineers a year, <laughs> but Purdue was operating <laughs> at you know fifteen hundred or two thousand now engineers a year, and so um, to do the kinds of transformation in engineering education at scale was just really something to be in awe of. And the boldness with which Kamyar went about it was, was truly phenomenal. Absolutely agree. With that, we brought together with our new school, first a department, then a school, we had our freshman engineering, which is now first year engineering. We had our interdisciplinary engineering studies and now multidisciplinary engineering who just celebrated their 50th anniversary last year, as well as our new graduate program that came along with this whole idea of this, this new area of research that is still kind of considered new, you know, 15 years, it's not that old. And then of course we had our Inspire Research Institute for Pre-College. So all that together created this um, multifaceted school with lots of different students, you know, and staff and faculty. Um, so I, I thank you for kind of pulling that together and giving the history, especially with your background to kind of watch that and now be involved. So now that you're here and that you've gotten really into this um, with us and leading us and these three pillars of first year engineering, let's talk about the three pillars, advise, prepare and retain and what we've done. And before you start, I really do want to, to emphasize all the alumni that I've interviewed over the years. I mean, I've been in engineering for actually quite a while since 2015 in engineering education, but all of them either ask me if freshman engineering is still around or now, you know, I have to explain first year engineering and how they really benefited from that first year of exploration to really learn. Because, you know, one just recently said, I can't even believe that 18 year olds, you know, now, you know, fast forward 30 years as 18 years old, how would I know exactly what I want to be and what I want to do and to pursue that? Purdue really does a great job of letting the, them explore across the campus, but you know, alone in the college to have that first two semesters to really dive in and learn about the different disciplines. So I kind of wanted to preface that because you know, with our prospective listeners right now that could be you know, prospective students and their families, we really, really want to emphasize what first-year engineering is. So can you talk to us about those three pillars and maybe we'll expand on the curriculum and how that has evolved over the years? Sure. And my understanding is that those three pillars date back to the 1950s, where again, Purdue was really influential nationally in establishing the ideas in the Grinter Report, right, which was a big national study of engineering education that happened, um, it was published in 1955, that our Purdue's dean was on that committee that wrote the Grinter Report and was very influential in taking an idea that really dated back into the 1930s at Purdue, but the idea that engineers ought to have a year of a common curriculum in which they can explore different types of engineering. And they were confronting two different realities. One is that engineering is commonly not taught pre-college and people needed time to explore and think about what kinds of engineering there are in the world and how they wanna make an impact before specializing. And one of the things that's really important about that is forming professionals. That in that first year, you really develop an identity as an engineer first. 
And with that comes a whole set of professional responsibilities, whether that's an ethical responsibility, a responsibility to society, thinking about how engineers communicate, that all of that is common across different areas of specialization in the profession. And to do that at a school as large as Purdue means that Purdue has influenced the way that an entire field thinks about itself and defines itself. And it gives the profession the clout and power that it has because we form engineers as engineers first. So we recognize the common bond that all engineers have and we don't fracture people into sub-identities of chemical, mechanical, electrical, and so on from the outset. And that does date back to the 50s. And one of the things that, that we've learned over time, and this is again where research has helped a lot, Matt Oland, one of our faculty members and the associate head of the school, has been doing research since about the 1990s on national large quantitative trends in engineering students. And he's been able to track how schools around the country in a huge database called Midfield that contains about 20% of all engineering students dating back to the 1980s. And in this data set, we're able to see how many engineers change majors and what happens when engineers change majors. And one of the things that he sees in looking at these data trends is that students benefit when they have a year to explore engineering. And what it means is that students change their minds. Students come in thinking that they wanna be one kind of engineer, or in some cases, they don't know what kind of engineer they wanna be. And they have that prerogative to change their minds. And what Purdue does is we allow students to change their minds without penalty. So if you change what you wanna do, you don't have to go back and take another introductory class to a specific field of engineering. You don't have to go get a different course in physics or chemistry that your degree program might require. Instead, we agree. And that in and of itself in a large university like ours takes time and it takes commitment to get all the different majors at Purdue to agree we're going to require the same set of foundational courses for our students. But by taking the time to hammer that out and reach agreement on that, we're able to give our students a, a certain set of freedoms, freedoms to explore different majors and freedoms to switch back and forth if they need to over that first year in order to really try things out, learn who they wanna be. And we hear all the time from the Office of Future Engineers how much students appreciate that of not having to know as a high school student what kind of engineer they want to be. Some of them know and some number of them know and they stick to it. But about half of students, as sure as they might be coming in, a half of them change their minds. And it, it has no bearing on how sure or unsure they are on day one when we ask them what kind of engineer they think they wanna be. About half of students change their mind and pick a different major. I think it's because our faculty across the college do an awesome job selling their discipline, right? Because of their research and what they're doing that students find their passion. They thought they came in with one idea because they saw a movie or they heard their, you know, somebody talk about it or their parents are engineers or their family members are engineers. They have the some idea, but then, there's either an ambassador or an upperclassman student or somebody in a club somewhere did something really cool there. They're like, that's what I want to do. So yes, absolutely. Purdue does yeah. a great job giving them that exploration in that time. 
And on a personal note, I'm someone who didn't have that as an undergraduate. I spent a year taking all the basic courses in math and physics and chemistry. And then I had to choose my major without an introduction to what different flavors of engineering are. Um, and I chose chemical engineering because I wanted to work on environmental problems and found out my junior year that civil might have been a better fit. And it worked out fine in my case. I was able to go on and, and do a, a master's and PhD in an interdisciplinary program in engineering and public policy where I worked with civil engineers and I was able to use my chemical engineering training towards environmental applications because chemists do work on environmental problems. <laughs> and yet I do wonder about the road not taken. And it would have been nice as a first year student to have been able to see the whole landscape of how these things fit together and how different fields work together. I may still have made the same choice or I might have made a different choice. I'll never know. But it's nice that Purdue gives students that option. And I think that's yeah. that's an enduring reality. Yeah. So you did ask me about one other thing that I didn't get to talk about, which is the three pillars of advising, preparing, and retaining. And so this is something that goes back, right? We, we set that the Department of Freshman Engineering was formed in 1953. And at that time, the mission was advise, prepare, and retain first year then called freshman engineering students. And the importance of that is recognizing a trifold mission. And this is something that is so important because you, you cannot do just one of those things. We have to prepare students. I think everybody would, would recognize that. We're preparing students for a variety of different degree programs in engineering. And so we remain uh, neutral and multidisciplinary in our approach because we do have to cover what all different kinds of engineers might do. And then the retaining part is absolutely crucial. In this time when we're thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's especially important that we attend to equity and inclusion in our retention efforts. And then we also have to think about advising. And this is something where by focusing on the whole student and where the student is going, how are they moving from their pre-college environment to the college environment? How do we guide them through that transition? How do we help them select their coursework? And how do we help them be successful in that coursework? And then what kinds of career introductions can we give them and career advice can we give them to shepherd them along the way? So Donna, can you talk about how, I know our retention rates and our attendance rates are much better than they used to be, especially when you look back um, across the years and especially when we made some big changes in our curriculum and how we teach in our classroom. Can you talk a little bit about the retention and kind of maybe that history of what we did differently that, that has made all the difference? Sure. I think that some alums, if there are any alumni listening to this podcast from a certain era, I've heard alums talk about a course called Sleep 100 that may have been <laughs> taught in Elliott Hall. And there was a huge auditorium situation where there was one lecture at the front of the room and a lot of students were disengaged. And so some of them would sleep through class, some of them would not attend class and there might be a proxy that they sent to sign in for them, <laughs> that that's something that was going on. And so when we had the opportunity to build Armstrong Hall and to really think about what would an ideal setting be for first year engineers, we used engineering education research to think about 
how do we engage students better? And we did a few things. We changed the class size from what was then 1500 students or so to sections of 120. We set up those students in the 120 student classroom facing each other in a dynamic environment where they could be doing hands-on design learning with a team of instructors. So there would be a faculty member from the School of Engineering Education alongside a graduate teaching assistant and four peer teachers who are undergraduate students who have been through our first year engineering program. And with that team of six people, we now have a basically student instructor ratio of 20 to one. And so that gives you a small class feel and each of these individuals can go and interact with students who are working in teams. So you end up with about 30 teams in the classroom and six people. And so now, now you're dealing with five teams each and that's a very manageable thing to do in a classroom. And by having something that's going on that's engaging students directly in active learning and by having the accountability of teamwork happening, now students are coming to class. So we saw attendance go way up and we saw student learning improve and we saw retention improve. So we were able to measure all of those changes and provide hard evidence of the value of active learning and the value of investing in students in that first year so that they're learning how to work in teams, learning how to communicate in engineering and learning a whole bunch of things about the field of engineering, what different kinds of engineers do and being able to try that out in real time with their colleagues. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you know, our, the investment of our industrial advisory board members from big industry who bring us their expertise. We luckily get to meet with them twice a year, but a few of those come and actually help in our first year engineering sections with industry related problems. Our board is fantastic, right? And they, they and are. they, most of them are alumni. So they've been through Purdue engineering and they come from all different disciplines. So we have graduates from the School of Mechanical Engineering, graduates from the School of Industrial Engineering and Electrical Engineers, Chemical Engineers. And so they're able to interface with our students and show a whole bunch of different career paths. And they're able to give that kind of, I've been there, I know what I'm talking about, I work in industry, I'm where you want to be. Let me tell you that it's important to learn how to work in a team. Let me tell you that it's important when you go on a job interview that you can express yourself well and that you don't have typos in your resume. <laughs> and to really to hear that from someone other than a college professor is super effective. So when we, when those interactions happen, I, I find it you know really helpful. And a lot of our advisory board are also recruiters. So they see the senior class and they know, and they can advise us based on what they're seeing in the senior class, how we can improve the work that we do with first years. And then on top of that, they've been engaging in some of the hands-on projects uh, that we do. So for example, Kimberly Clark Corporation did a project with our students that had to do with dealing with paper products in industrial settings and really thinking about how do we do that more efficiently and coming up with design solutions and really illustrating how 
a company like Kimberly Clark doesn't relate to just one type of engineering, but that a solution to the kinds of problems that they brought us, you know, illustrates the value of data science, the value of industrial engineering and thinking about how humans interface with technology and the value of yes, chemical or materials engineering and thinking about how that design is happening. And because of that, the projects that our board bring us enable us to demonstrate for students all the different ways that, that engineering knowledge can be used. And it also helps our students as they're sorting through career plans. So sometimes we'll have students who don't know exactly what flavor of engineer they wanna be, but they know they wanna work on say aircraft systems, right? But it's really helpful to have someone who can run down for a student. Did you know that? You know, folks that design seats on airplanes have to know about ergonomics and they're thinking about biomechanics. Um, and there are people who are designing electrical systems on airplanes. And so a degree in ECE might be very valuable to Boeing, if that's your sort of dream employer, know that you could pursue a number of different degree programs at Purdue and be employed by your dream company. So it, it's really helping them think through all of those alternatives. I think that having people from industry deliver that message just has a, a, a power and, and the real world nature of those projects has carries a power that that we cannot supply uh, solely from inside the ivory tower. And it, it is part of that exploration. I mean, I, I, the number of students I've interviewed after those projects, they, they really do make a connection and they, they really start to pursue that, that pathway that they see through those projects. So it's a, it's a really important component and we just can't thank our advisory board members enough for, for engaging and wanting to be involved, but also just their commitment to Purdue. You know, like you said, they're mostly are all alumni and. Um, very passionate about um, helping Purdue engineers and especially first-year engineering. So with that, to build, gosh, the support and the community, this year's been tough. Actually, it started last spring in, the Mar in March. It, it has been tough. We have record enrollments. Again, this year, a record enrollment of our first-year engineering incoming class. They've rocked it. I know we've worked hard. I, you know we've worked hard as far as our faculty, our instructors, our instructional team, our advisors together really helped to support and build this. Maybe talk about Carrie Douglas's work through the NSF Rapid Grant, what we learned from that and how we implemented that into dealing with the pandemic and really helped us get through and, our, and continuing to get through this pandemic together. Sure. Yeah. So, so our team is a system of systems in and of itself. I think it's really important to explain that to do engineering education at the quality level that we do it and at the scale that we do it requires teams of teams. And so, as you mentioned, we have a team of instructional support folks, instructional design people who can help implement changes in our engineering curriculum. And that keeps us innovating at a steady pace. And then when a crisis like a pandemic happens, uh, that innovation goes in a more rapid pace and uh, requires a level of kind of creativity that we were able to pull off because of the team that we have and, and the way that that team functions. 
So um, to talk just a little bit about when we thought that we were going to have to transition to being online, we immediately thought because so many of us do research in engineering education, a number of things occurred to us about what could go wrong with this system. Because we think in systems, because we work at scale, we know that some, even if it's a small percent, some percent of our students weren't gonna have access to a computer. A certain percent of our students weren't gonna have stable internet. And so before our students even left campus, we were touching base with them and asking them what they needed and getting our laptops that we keep, we have a bank of laptops in our first year engineering classroom. We got those into students' hands before they left campus so that they could have a dedicated machine for first year engineering. And some of the students told us that that action saved them, not just for their success in our class, but for the rest of their first year engineering program classes that they were able to do better in physics and math and chemistry and computer science and the other classes they took because we had thought about that because of our attention to those kinds of details in the education system. So that was the first thing that we did. The second thing that kicked in was that we've had experts, and this is again, the vision of people like Kamyar and David in hiring broadly. We have a specialist on our faculty named Carrie Douglas, who has been studying assessment in online learning um, for years now. And so she also was aware of, you know, what can go wrong, what we need to think about. And she received a grant from the National Science Foundation under a program called RAPID, which is an emergency response funding mechanism. So they often use that um, to respond to things like natural disasters, but they used it in this case to study what, you know, the disruption in higher education due to the pandemic. And so she's been able to see kind of how, not just how classroom activities and learning has changed through the pandemic, but also how students experience support or a lack of support and mechanisms that we might be able to bring in to support student learning that are what you might call co-curricular uh, supports and to really understand the student's experience of isolation that I think we've all been experiencing the pandemic, but knowing how that would play out, knowing how we could intervene in that. And so our first year engineering team led by Isabel Jimenez, our assistant head, was able to really design a, a series of opportunities for student engagement. And so throughout the summer and fall of 2020, we've been implementing these and some of them are online and some of them are on campus, but we've been engaging students in a holistic way. Uh, so it's everything from, you know, using gather.town, which is a, a cool sort of like gamified avatar based uh, meeting ground that sits on top of Zoom <laughs> so that students can find each other. And as they put it to us, that it's an opportunity for them to just be students. They meet, they play games, they hang out. And yeah, they can form study groups. They can get to know other students. And for first years in particular, being able to meet other students is absolutely essential to their academic success and their um, overall kind of well-being in, in college. Then uh, we've done things like Tamara Moore, one of our faculty who's also an alum of our graduate program in engineering education. She's also a Zumba instructor. <laughs> so she was able to host a socially distanced 
Zumba activity, which again is engaging students in a different way, um, but we're getting them out there physically so that they're able to sort of connect their overall well-being and their academic well-being with their physical well-being and knowing that self-care is really important. It's also a social activity. So students were meeting each other. Again, it's a way for first years to meet each other, albeit socially distanced. They were able to meet some other students that shared a common interest uh, in Zumba. So um, not to mention it was a fun time to get out and dance. So all of those kinds of opportunities, and there's a long list of those, those are just two examples, have made engagement important. And so whether students are with us residentially or whether they're connecting online, that level of engagement is what makes the difference, and Carrie's research will back that up, it's what makes the difference for students in their ability to be successful in their studies, right, but also in a more holistic sense. Yeah, that was, I participated a couple times myself in Zumba, and I love the fact that they did the um, online version too, so that our students who are studying from home, wherever that may be, in whatever country, right, we have them spread out everywhere, we're also able to participate. So very thoughtful process um, to include everyone. So I, I loved that. Well, Dr. Riley, I know how important this community is to me. I know how important this community is to you and to our students. And I just, I thank you for your time in discussing the history of the School of Engineering Education and where we are now. Be sure to listen to our other Purdue Engineering podcasts and see the show notes on the podcast website for additional information about the School of Engineering Education at Purdue.